Welcome to the Live to Shoot podcast. My name is Jeff Dowdle, and I've been a licensed firearm dealer for the last 13 years. In this podcast, we talk about all things related to the Second Amendment, as well as we might throw in a sports story or something going on in the uh, news of the day. So today is Sunday, and I'm jumping on to do another quick little podcast. And this is really a follow-up to the last one that we did that we talked about where the the effort by the left to pack the court to add uh, four new justices to the Supreme Court under their effort, under their justification, I guess I should say, that they are unpacking the court because they believe that during the Trump administration that we improperly added two justices. So their justification is they're actually unpacking the court. But we're not going to go into that. But I did think about with the potential that we might actually be picking up a Second Amendment case this year. I thought it would be a good idea to revisit the last Second Amendment case that was heard by the Supreme Court, and that was Heller versus D.C. in 2008. But before we go any further, let us just talk about what cases they may pick up and how Heller is going to play into it. So the first one is out there right now is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, which has been pending the review of the SCOTUS for some time now, and it's regarding this. This, this case is, challenges New York's requirement for applicants to demonstrate a uh, quote-unquote proper cause to carry a firearm, and New York regularly uses this requirement to deny applicants. So New York's practice is unconstitutional because the Second Amendment you know, quote, guarantees a right to keep and bear arms to all the people, and the brief argues not just to the select few that the state deems worthy. And then very similarly, the one that we just recently had was Young v. Hawaii, and on the basis of very similar, the Ninth Circuit recently ruled in favor of the defendant, saying that the Hawaii's long-term standing laws that go beyond the time before Hawaii was even territory supported the restrictions that were being placed on people to get licensed to carry permits. So both of these cases essentially say that an individual does not have the right to, quote, bear arms. So in 2008, the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in District of Columbia versus Heller directly impacted only a handful of uh, gun owners, but it was one of the most significant Second Amendment rulings in the country's history. Although the Heller decision only specifically addressed gun ownership by residents of federal enclaves like Washington, D.C., it marked the first time the nation's highest court gave a definitive answer on whether the Second Amendment provides an individual with the right to keep and bear arms. So just a few facts about uh, D.C. versus Heller. It was argued March 18, 2008. Uh, the decision was issued June 26, 2008. Uh, key questions in that uh, case were, did the provisions of the District of Columbia's code that restricted the licensing of handguns and required licensed firearms kept in the home to be Kept to be kept non-functional, did it violate the Second Amendment? The majority decision was issued by Justice Scalia, Roberts, Kennedy, Thomas, and Alito, and the dissenting were Justices Stevens, Souter, Ginsburg, and Breyer. So the ruling ruled that the Supreme Court ruled that the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to bear arms and that the district's handgun ban and trigger lock requirements violated the Second Amendment. So a little background on the on the case. So Dick Heller was a plaintiff in D.C. versus Heller. He was a licensed special police officer in Washington who was issued and carried a handgun as part of his job. Yet federal law prevented him from owning and keeping a handgun in his uh, District of Columbia home. So Heller 
sought the help from the NRA with a lawsuit to overturn the gun ban in D.C., but he was unsuccessful in convincing the NRA to take up the case. But he did connect with the Cato Institute scholar Robert Levy, and Levy planned a self-financed lawsuit to overturn the D.C. gun ban and hand-selected six plaintiffs, including Heller, to challenge the law. So that Heller and his five co-plaintiffs, one was uh, Shelley Parker, the other was Tom Palmer, Jillian St. Lawrence, Tracy Ambo and uh, George Lyon all filed their lawsuit in February 2003. So the initial lawsuit was dismissed by the U.S. District Court in the District of Columbia. The court found that the challenge to the constitutionality of D.C.'s handgun ban was without merit. But the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia reversed the lower court's ruling four years later, and in a two-to-one decision in D.C. v. Parker, the court struck down sections of the 1975 Firearms Control Regulation Act for plaintiff Shelley Parker. The court ruled that portions of the law banning handgun ownership in D.C. and requiring that rifles be disassembled or bound by a trigger lock were unconstitutional. State attorneys in Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, North Dakota, Ohio, Utah, and Wyoming all joined Levy in support of Heller and his co-plaintiffs. The state attorney general's offices in Massachusetts, Maryland, and New Jersey, as well as representatives in Chicago, New York City, and San Francisco joined in support of the district's gun ban. Now, surprisingly, after this, the NARA did decide to join the cause for the Heller team, while the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence cast its support to the D.C. team. Mayor Adrian Fenty petitioned the court to hear the case again weeks after the appeals court ruling. His petition was rejected by a 6-4 vote, and so D.C. then petitioned the Supreme Court to hear the case. The case did technically change from D.C. versus Parker at the appeals court level to D.C. versus Heller at the Supreme Court level because the appeals court determined that only Heller's challenge to the gun bans constitutionally had standing. The other five plaintiffs were, dis- plaintiffs were dismissed from the case. This didn't change the merit of the case, however, and the Second Amendment was set to take center stage at the U.S. Supreme Court for the first time in generations. D.C. versus Heller garnered national attention as individuals and organizations both in favor of and opposed to the gun ban lined up to support either side of the debate. The 2008 presidential election was just around the corner. Republican candidate John McCain joined a majority of U.S. senators, 55 of them, who signed a brief favoring Heller, while Democrat candidate Barack Obama did not. The George W. Bush administration sided with the District of Columbia with the U.S. Department of Justice, arguing that the case should be remanded by the Supreme Court, but Vice President Dick Cheney broke from that stance by signing in the brief in support of Heller. A number of other states joined the fight, in addition to those that cast their support for Heller earlier, including Alaska, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Virginia, Washington, and West Virginia. Why in New York joined the states supporting the District of Columbia. So the Supreme Court sided with Heller by a 5-4 majority of affirming the appeals court's decision. Justice Antonin Scalia delivered the court's opinion and was joined by Justice Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Anthony Kennedy, Clarence Thomas, and Samuel Alito Jr. Justices Paul Stevens, David Souter, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and Stephen Breyer dissented. The court 
ruled that the District of Columbia must give Heller a license to possess a handgun inside the home. In the process, the court ruled that the Second Amendment protects an individual's right to bear arms and that the District of Columbia handgun ban and trigger lock requirement violated the Second Amendment. The court's decision did not prohibit many existing federal limitations to gun ownership, including limitations for convicted felons and the mentally ill. It didn't affect limitations preventing the possession of firearms in schools and government buildings. So Justice Scalia wrote the majority opinion, and here are just a few highlights from that opinion from the National Review in 2008. The Second Amendment protects an individual right to possess a firearm unconnected with service in a militia and to the use that arms for traditionally lawful purposes such as self-defense at home. The phrase, the right of the people, creates a strong presumption that the Second Amendment right is exercised individually and belongs to America. In the phrase, to keep and bear arms, the word arms extends prima facie to all instruments that constitute bearable arms, even those that were not in existence at the time of the founding. Keep arms means have weapons. The phrase bear arms means to carry weapons and was understood as part of the natural right of defense of one's person or house. It in no way connotes participation in a structured military organization. Justice Stevens claimed that bear arms connotes the actual carrying of arms, but only in the service of an organized militia incoherently gives arms two different meanings at once. The phrase well-regulated militia means all males physically capable of acting in concert for the common defense. The phrase security of a free state meant security of a free polity, not security of each of the several states. The prefatory clause fits perfectly with the operative clause as the founding generation knew that the way tyrants had eliminated a militia was not by banning the militia, but simply by taking away the people's arms, enabling a select militia or standing army to suppress political opponents. D.C.'s ban on handgun position violates the Second Amendment, Scalia stated, the inherent right of self-defense has been central to the Second Amendment. The handgun ban amounts to a prohibition of an entire class of arms that is overwhelmingly chosen by American society for that lawful purpose. The prohibition extends moreover to the home where the need for defense of family self, and property is most acute. The handgun is considered by the American people to be the quintessential self-defense weapon. So, it has been since 2008 that this ruling came down, and the significance of this ruling, like I said, was that it finally called out and cleared up the, the standing that the Second Amendment does protect an individual right and not just a militia or a group right. And so this has been there for the, the precedent since 2008, but case after case has come up because the, the, the case didn't really direct indicate that the we about the the bearing of the arms and that whether or not that meant that you had the right to carry a concealed weapon or carry an unconcealed weapon it just stated that you have a right to bear arms so in many states they have violated they have prevented the right to conceal carry so if you have a right to bear arms but you can't conceal then that must mean you have the right to open carry and in the case of the, of, of the New York case they have made it so difficult to get a weapon to carry that the belief is that this violates, again, that Second Amendment. So it's very key here. You can see that we haven't had a Second Amendment case since 2008. And one of these Q2 cases may very well come before the Supreme Court this year. The New York Pistol and Rifle Association case has been out there for a while, and there's a lot of debate on why the 
court haven't chosen it yet. And part of it is, are they waiting for a better case or are they just waiting for the, the the best time to to pick up and hear this case. So we have to be mindful of that and look and support the the justices they hear this. But again, this comes back to the when I come back to the packing of the court and how critical maintaining the the solidarity the Supreme Court and keeping it at nine justices, not letting the left go about diluting the justices and giving them the ability now to control the third area of our government, and that's the Supreme Court, and they would thus be able to write any law that they want, making it regardless whether it's constitutional or not, and knowing that the Supreme Court would be able to side on their side. So keep an eye on these two cases. I will keep you updated on them. Let me know if you have any questions. But again, it is time, since we haven't heard a case since 2008, I believe now is the time for the Supreme Court to step up and hear a case and make it definitive that the right to keep and bear arms extends beyond the home and means to go out beyond it in public and carry either a concealed or open carry weapon. Thanks for listening. Have a happy rest of your weekend. I will talk to you next week.